Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code GATERS on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. And Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gators and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC and at Gators Breakdown as well. Coming at you right here after the 22-7 win for the Gators over the Charlotte 49ers. And not the game a lot of us expected there. And much different feeling than it was a week ago coming off the high that was the big Tennessee win. Maybe a little bit of hangover right here. We were kind of warned about it all week. Billy Napier warned us that Tuesday, Wednesday practice wasn't the best. And that's pretty much what played out Saturday night in the swamp. And a pretty, pretty disappointing performance overall. Not, not, not what I expected. Not what we wanted to see from this team in uh, taking the necessary steps there. But, hey, look, not all doom and gloom. Doesn't have to be an indictment for the rest of the season. Hopefully gather the pieces, and this is just a little one-night hiccup. You know, there were some issues that could have caused this. Should they have caused it? That's probably the better, the, the better question, but could have caused some of the performance issues that we saw Saturday night uh, versus the 49ers. So we'll get into it right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Hit that like button. Subscribe right here on Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. Thank you for checking us out live right here on YouTube on this Sunday edition of Gators Breakdown. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform as well if you haven't done so yet. And uh, GatorsBreakdown.com. You can go read everything Billy Napier, Ricky Pearsall, Shamar James, Trey Smack had to say after the game last night. Got the all the quotes uh, that they had to put there in the press conference. GatorsBreakdown.com, you can find that there. And also, Gators Breakdown Plus. You get those ad-free episodes, access to the Discord server, of course, everything that's going, a lot of conversation, (laughs) of course, after that performance there last night from the Gators. But extra episodes, Discord chat, ad-free episodes. You get the newsletter to GatorsBreakdown.com as well. We get the Q&A, we get the chat episodes every week. So you get all that extra content right there, Gators Breakdown Plus. 
starts as low as $3 a month. Link is in the description to join. And one more time, help these student athletes out. Name, image, and likeness at Florida Victorious. Link is in the description for that as well. Get 20% off your first month using promo code GATORSBD. All right, let's get to it. Uh, hey, first, the good news uh, right here probably should not be overlooked just because it's been so long for the Gators. It is the first three-game winning streak since 2020. Since that exciting offensive season there with Trask and Tony and Pitts and putting up points left and right, that's the last time Florida has won three games in a row. So right there for the Gators, you get McNeese, you got Tennessee, you got Charlotte right there. Uh, hopefully you make it four this week, of course, but the first three-game winning streak since 2020. Um, but, you know, disappointing performance uh, to get that third win. It is a win. A win is a win. Uh, but, look, we can look at it and look at the issues. We'll look at some of the good as well, but disappointing performance. Uh, I guess maybe we should have seen coming, uh, but certainly we're hoping we were past that point of inconsistency with this team. Thankful for the win. Thankful we didn't play an SEC team at the same time. <laughs> We've kind of seen the roller coaster last year, and it kind of continued uh, right here in Billy Napier's second year after the big win versus Tennessee and then this performance versus Charlotte. So thankfully, you weren't really playing an opponent that could take advantage of you not at your best. You know, very just not an inspiring performance coming off of last week. You know, just wanted to see Florida continue to build the momentum heading into SEC play. Uh, hopefully another spark uh, next week, but I hate the you know I, I hate that that has to be you know, a, a worthy opponent, an SEC opponent for this team to be focused, stay focused. I mean Napier said all week this team needs to learn how to sa- handle success, uh, and the Charlotte game should be a slap in the face to all that. Hey, look, you're not there yet, uh, so you know it's you hope you won't have to face this anymore. I mean the schedule from here on out, you know all these opponents are worthy to have your attention. Certainly understandable with the high of the, t- of the Tennessee win. And maybe, look, I expected some fallback. I don't know if I expected this, though. <laughs> so, and then given the opponent as well, you know, you were able to kind of work your way through it. But it, just personally, just hoping some of those inconsistency issues from last year weren't going to rear their, their head again. So, look, this is a snapshot. The snapshot of the game itself, it, it wasn't great. You can't convince me that it was. However, I've said it all preseason. I think Utah reminded us as well. I'm going to keep it in mind to myself. This is a young, new face team. So inconsistencies are to be expected. Charlotte game doesn't have to be an indictment. We'll know next week. Florida, Kentucky, we'll see how Florida shows up on the road at Kentucky, where Florida hasn't been great anyway on the road under Billy Napier. But you know, I, I think for us to really know what this game means, we're probably going to have to wait a little bit. So look, we are going to look at this game in a bubble. It is going to be a snapshot of this Charlotte game. If you don't like the critique, if you don't think it's fair, then this probably isn't the episode for you right now. Uh, but you guys know me. not going to blindly gloss over a lackluster performance that was Saturday night in the Swamp. It was good. It was bad. We'll discuss it all. The bad does not have to carry over, but it's worth discussing. So, all right, let's get to it. Let's take a, just a quick look at stats before we kind of get into the storyline of the game here. Uh, and we'll go to the offense right here for the Gators. And looking at quarterback Graham Mertz. Hey, 20-23, 259, one touchdown. A rating of 195.9 there. So pretty good stat line there for Graham Mertz. A lot of it in the first quarter of the game. 
And then look at the receiving stats right here. Ricky Pearsall leading the way, six catches, 104 yards, along a 27, was targeted six times, six catches, a six for six there for Ricky Pearsall. Yards after the catch, 28 yards, and of course that big jump man style interse- uh, one-handed reception there. Ricky Pearsall, and look, just that catch alone would have been w- w- worth it all, but his 32nd consecutive game, that's the ninth longest streak in college football with a catch. Good for him, and of course the highlight being the one-handed just snag. I mean, I, I still don't know how he did it. Still don't know how he did it there. But uh, great, great high, highlight of the night. Uh, of course, besides the defensive performance, Ricky Pearsall and the one-handed grab there. Caleb Douglas uh, with, with the four catches, 37. But, of course, the fumble on the uh, late Florida going for the conversion there. Fumbles on the fourth, uh, fourth down conversion. Uh, four catches, 37 yards for Caleb Douglas. On a sporting ham, two catches, 31 yards. The one touchdown, of course, in the game for him. Uh, and then we didn't see the running backs get involved in the uh, passing game much either this week. So um, it kind of goes back a little bit. I, I think looking at those numbers, maybe a little bit of a vanilla offensive game plan uh, doesn't explain everything, but not getting the running backs involved uh, a, a lot, especially with how the offensive line was struggling, uh, inconsistency and in pass blocking a bit too. So that was one thing I took away uh, from the, from the passing game is the, we've seen a little more use of the running backs, not necessarily versus Charlotte, uh, but tied in Aldous Boardingham, it was, of course, his first career touchdown off uh, that six-yard pass from Graham Mertz, the only touchdown of the game for the Gators. Uh, but look at the further down, uh, Andy Jean getting his first career catch, a 32-yard reception, and he had a 25-yard rush as well. So far to getting him involved uh, in, in, in multiple ways. And then uh, with, with that Caleb Douglas catch for him, that was his career high or tied his career high uh, with, with the four Catches there. So let's go to the other side of the ball for the Gator defense. And once again, an outstanding performance from this defense. It's the young guys who still continue to come in, rotate in, and there's not much of a drop-off. They are contributing. They are making plays. They're making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Um, They are really taking on that aggressive mindset. I think so much you can just tell they are bleeding over from the, the personality of Austin Armstrong, and it's paid dividends on the defensive side of the ball. Here we go. One time led again in the linebacker course. Scooby Williams, just from the get-go in this game, a factor, along with Shamar James. You know, the top two tacklers right here in the game, 12 total tackles between the two. Shamar James uh, with five, Scooby Williams with seven. Tackle Both with a tackle for loss. There, Miguel Mitchell there with four. Jordan Castell, once again, the true freshman with four tackles up there near the top uh, in the stat sheet for the Gators. Manny Nunnery getting involved more in this game as well. Kelby Collins, the true freshman out there making plays. Uh, but Cam Jackson, Prisley Yuman Miellen, four quarterback hurries. He was living in the backfield. Um, you know, in Charlotte with the way they they really wanted to run the ball, you know, and they switched to quarterbacks. And when Jalen Jones came in, you could tell they really wanted to run the ball. Uh, they tried to switch it up every now and then, and a little bit of success running the ball uh, with with, with a, from the quarterback spot. But um, all in all, the aggressive defensive performance. We'll get back in here too. But you know, Bryce Thornton is another name, true freshman, get involved in as well. But leading the way, those linebackers, the Scooby Williams, Shamar James, linebacker play so much better. And just hats off uh, to that linebacker play. Been a sore spot there. But I think you know, four games in now, you know, of course, this is the whole defense. But being able to see 
Scooby Williams, Shamar James continue week in and week out to be factors. Uh, and the defensive line, of course, cleaning it up for him. Um, big time, big time there. But a lot of young guys getting in. You see on the stat sheet, Sharif Benson uh, in there making plays, another true freshman. Pyburn's in there contributing. Um, so, Keen Jackson, of course, that's kind of what this game was. Florida, even though it was a little closer than we wanted it to be, we're still on the defensive side bringing in guys off, you know, on and off the field. Young guys getting a lot of snaps. Um, Billy Napier did mention after the game, they're not getting, uh, probably on the offensive side of the ball, not getting as many young players involved because of how close the game was and how close it should have been uh, in the fourth quarter. So they kind of stunt the plan of playing more young guys. Uh, but certainly on defense, we've seen it all season, saw it versus Charlotte, and it's going to continue to pay dividends uh, for the Gators. So with that, Bryce Thornton, hey, the true freshman, he, he recorded his first career sack. So good for him. Scooby Williams, his first career forced fumble. Uh, Jordan Castell, his first career tackle for loss. That was kind of surprising as much as he's been involved, but it was his first career tackle for loss. It was a big, big 10-yard loss there for Charlotte. Uh, Kelby Collins, his first career sack. And Caleb Banks tied his career high uh, with one sack as well. So all, all in all, good performance from the young guys. Good performance up front once again for the Gator defense. And look, you go to it. Let's go through the game a little bit. Started the way it was supposed to. You thought the first drive for defense and the first drive for offense, it was exactly what we wanted to see. Scooby Williams absolutely dominates the first drive, forced a fumble that was recovered by Charlotte on the very first play of the game, then makes a tackle on second down. He owns the first drive for the defense. Charlotte punts two plays later. Then on offense, the Gators march right down the field, a nine-play, 95-yard touchdown drive where we saw an 11-yard run by Montreal Johnson on the first play, 27-yard catch by Pearsall on the next. Later, a 13-yard Montreal Johnson run, a 7-yard Montreal Johnson run. He had a nice wrinkle of Khalil Jackson in the pistol, then motioning him out. Him out. He runs a wheel route uh, for 18-yard gain. Then a few plays later, Merch finds a wide-open Arliss Boardingham for his first career touchdown. 7-0 Gators made it look easy. Johnson on that first drive, we know the storyline in this game and where it would end up going, but on the first drive, 6.3 yards of rush. And then the offense just kind of, especially in the run game, kind of falls off the cliff. You know, the first couple drives were not that bad. I mean, there was, it was pretty good. You, you thought Florida was getting their legs under them just a bit and, you know, getting into the red zone. And that first field goal attempt, you know, we didn't know how the rest of the game would go. Looking back at it, you know, I was like, oh, okay, maybe Florida should have gone for it. But in the moment, I think we thought at the time after that first drive, Florida's going to have a lot more success. So in the moment, it's fourth and one. I, all in all, I would have went for it anyway. But I didn't necessarily agree with Billy Napier wanting to go for a field goal, knowing the issues Florida had had field goal kicking. You were going to bring Trace Mack in to let him attempt. I think we all thought the game was going to go a little easier. So I think we wanted to get that field goal rep in. Probably we weren't sure how many field goal reps you were going to get if you were going to dominate the way you did that first drive. So it's fourth and one. You end up kicking the field goal, and you end up kicking so many more field goals after that. But early on, I think Billy Napier really just wanted to get that first field goal rep in, not knowing the game was going to be as close as it was throughout the rest of the game. So you know, it could have been a quick maybe 14 nothing instead of 10, uh, but um was not to be. We'll get into that, but... And look, I thought the rest of the game would be like that first drive. Um, 
That would be the only touchdown for the Gators the rest of the night. As Trace Mack would end up going five for five the rest of the game and field goal kicking. But man, that was uh it was it, it was set up there. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to see. Defense comes out first drive, three and out. Offense goes and marches 95 yards. Okay, okay. This is what we thought we would see. And look, even if the focus wasn't there all week and we had heard about a bad Tuesday, Wednesday practice, I thought, okay, you get off to a good start, then you can just it, that the, the good start would just kind of snowball. It would be too much, and you know Charlotte wouldn't be able to keep up at all. Uh, but Florida could not translate. Hey, look, we talk about momentum all the time, and the momentum did not carry over from Tennessee to Charlotte. You know, given who you were playing, given the opponent, and even in this game, it didn't carry over. You started so well, only for at least on offense. Defense, of course, it did. Uh, on offense, they just could not carry that momentum from the first half of Tennessee last week, and then the first drive of this game versus Charlotte, the momentum kind of stalled. Kind of stalled their own offense, but we'll get into it. Maybe some reasons why as well. But before we do, NFL, college football, brand new cash out system gives you options to bet and win all season long with our good friends at my bookie. Well, that first two legs of the parlay, did they hit? Well, cash out early and place another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join us at my bookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boost, same game parlays and huge prize pool contest. Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATORS on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash, instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's GATORS to claim your own cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And GATORS Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Look, HelloFresh got it going on. It's a hit with the family, working this full-time job, covering the Gators for you as we're out here on Gators Breakdown. I need all the time I can get. So, so busy. HelloFresh makes it easier. I don't have to waste those trips to the store. So if you want to have if you want to have it all, the free time, the easy and fresh, tasty food, that's why HelloFresh takes care of the meal planning and delivers the ingredients right to your door. All those delicious ingredients for those meal Right there at your front door. When you need dinner fast, don't call for delivery. Think HelloFresh. Fast and fresh recipes are ready in just 15 minutes or less. So right now is the time to join. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. One more time. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators. Use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Get your time back with HelloFresh, America's number one milk kit. And Gators Breakdown is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path forward isn't always clear. So whether you're dealing with decisions around your career or relationships or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I've seen firsthand the difference therapy can make with a family member and the relationship is better, stronger than ever before. It's hard to take care of life's challenges if you don't take care of yourself first. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp brings therapy to you. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gators today 
and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. All right, guys, let's get back to the game here, and we'll continue with some of the good. Silver lining one right here. The good Florida 5 for 5 in the red zone. I mean, after the first drive, you got the first touchdown in the red zone. Issue is four of those were field goals. Now, there's some good in that as well because we need to figure out some field goal kicking, right? Trace Mack comes in, and he just may be the guy there now. Five for five on the night, including a 54-yard field goal. So now, hopefully, there's some confidence in field goal kicking moving forward. That's the silver lining to all the red zone issues is maybe, maybe Florida found their field goal kicker here with Trace Mack. Kicks of 27, 23 twice, 54, and 36. Good for him. Should go a long way. Uh, This defense is going to keep Florida in a whole lot of games. I think we know the margin for error for this team is pretty small. Florida's going to be in a lot of close games. We know the issues on special teams. We hope one of the issues right now have been solved with Trey Smack moving forward. Good performance for him to just be able to come in. All the pressure, I think, that comes with that. We've known the issues there. Open competition, battle throughout the week. He gets the call on Saturday night and delivers a 5 for 5. So I think as we move past that first drive, and we knew some of the issues coming into this game, it was going to be determined how much the issues were going to be there. Of course, offensive line play was where we were going to look with the suspensions, the injury to Kingsley Aguacan as well. Offensive line play affects so much, affected so much, but I just don't agree with the blanket excuse of, you know, they're new, so we should just expect these issues. Against Kentucky and Utah and teams like that, of course, uh, I I expect issues. I expect inconsistency. Against Charlotte, you're not going to sell me on that. Uh, missing Kingsley and Mazuka definitely hurts the run game. Yes, I expect a step back, but not to the effect of how it looked versus Charlotte. Almost every short yardage situation was won by the Charlotte defensive front. That can't happen. I don't, I don't care who Florida's lining up. I don't care who Charlotte's lining up. That can't happen the way it happened all night long. It was a consistent issue for the Florida offensive line. If they get the best of you a couple plays here or there, okay, that's fine. I can, I can understand get, having some issues there, but it was all night long from start to finish. Florida in a short yardage situation got blown up, whether it be numbers, whether it be effort, whether it be just Charlotte being better than you up front on Saturday night. That was the case. And, of course, all of it goes back to this offense, and if the run game isn't there, the offense just isn't in sync. Now, of course, I think coming into this game – Florida wanted to work on the passing game, and that's fine. I'm sure the game plan for this game wasn't all that intricate for this one, but after the first drive, you know, the run game fell off a cliff uh, and affected the whole offense. In the first quarter, first quarter, Florida had 225 total yards. I mean, it was rolling, rolling in the first quarter. 11 rush attempts for 5.1 yards of carry, 9 of 10 in the air, 169 yards passing in the first quarter, and a touchdown. It was not great after that. 18 total yards for the offense in the second quarter. Four rushes from minus 0.3 yards. Four or five passing for only 19 yards. 0 for 3 on third down in the second quarter. Nine total plays with a two-yard average. This could not maintain. 
could not maintain what you were able to do in the first drive in the first quarter. None of it carried over. Florida was outgained 92 yards to 18 in the second quarter, and that was a 16-7 halftime score. Florida were going to kick two more field goals in the second half, only gaining 152 yards, 81 rushing for a 3.9-yard average, seven of eight passing for only 71 yards, and most of those passing yards for Mertz were in the first quarter. Uh, not much after that, as far as for, for the whole offense goes. In the second half, Florida, one of five on third down, two turnovers as well. Uh, so just like Utah and a few times last year, it doesn't matter how good the passing stat line is. If Florida can't run the ball, those passing yards are either inflated or they just don't translate. Mertz going 20 of 23 for 259 and one touchdown would absolutely mean even more if the Florida ground game is at that, what, 200-yard mark that we maybe come to expect or if it's a good performance, be around that yardage. But with a total of 136 yards rushing, the way this offense is built lends itself to inconsistency. Bad third down play, and take that further to lackluster red zone performance. Look, I'm glad Mertz has got the ability to do that. Pair it with a run game. This Florida offense will be fine. But for whatever reason, we see it. The passing stats can be look that they can look good. I mean, just looking at the stat sheet. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of us in the first quarter. There were some issues there as well after the first quarter. But those, I mean, 20 to 23 for 259, I'll take that every week. But it still may not be enough if the run game isn't there. It just does not translate. So go back to last week. Well, no, let's go to third down. Let's go down to third down. Florida averaged third and four on the night. That's not bad. Not bad at all. And went one of nine on third down for the game. Third and four should be a lot more manageable than that. 0 for 2 in passing situations. In that situation, an average of pitiful 0.4 yards rushing on third down. That's where I go back to the offensive line and, and Charlotte's defensive front, and you got to go win some of the short yardage battles. You average 0.4 rushing yards on third down. And that was averaging, I think, about eight yards on first down. So it should have been set up to have a lot of success, but third down, so, so brutal for the Gators. So go back to last week. And now this is six quarters of football for the Gators, the second half of Tennessee, and now versus Charlotte, where the offense just has to look really out of sync. It starts with not being able to run the ball. Understandable conservative play call versus Tennessee. I still, you know, I don't make too much of it. But paired with this, it's just like, okay, can you flip a switch now? You know, so, but you got the understandable conservative play versus Tennessee, maybe even a point versus Charlotte. I don't think the game planning was all that much there. I think you just want one of those games you want to get in and get out of. But I was just hoping the performance, the effort, the cohesiveness, let's go out there and playing well. I was just hoping that would be out there, but it wasn't. Can the switch just be flipped now? This is six quarters where, okay, you, you're going to go to Kentucky. You got a tough road game. We know it's going to be tough anyway. Can the switch be flipped? You know, the defense gives the offense some wiggle room here, but the margin for error seems so thin in the last six quarters, especially last night, leave a lot to be desired in rushing the ball and that translating into poor third down and red zone execution. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think a lot of it will go to, and I know one of the big debates here, maybe getting the run game going, Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Uh, and the way the carries were dispersed versus Charlotte, I think we know enough by now Trevor Etienne is, should be the number one back here uh, in this Florida offense, given what he did versus Tennessee, given what he did, did for most of the season. Something just seems off with Montreal Johnson. I still think he's a huge asset to this offense, but I could tell he was, he was getting frustrated by the end of that game uh, versus Charlotte there. And now looking at it, um, should Trevor Etienne should have more carry versus Charlotte? Yeah. Uh, they shouldn't have needed him to run him into the ground. I can see after getting 23 carries versus Tennessee, knowing that he may be your main back moving forward, you probably want to protect him a little where you can't protect him where you can. And I don't think this game was in any risk of losing this game, even given the issues on offense. So I do think there was some of this. Let's work. Let's let Montreal work out of this funk. Let's let the offensive line get the reps. But at the same time, ETN out there probably could have garnered a few more carries, a few more carries out there. But I get, I mean, it was 16 carries for Johnson, 3.9 yard average. ETN come in, eight carries, 48 yards, so a six-yard average for him. I mean, it was clear. And Florida didn't really test the outside all that much, too. You didn't, of course, Eugene Wilson's not out there, but Ricky Pearsall, you know, we didn't see a – we saw the Andy Gene trick play reverse. Didn't see a lot of the outside runs with the receivers, you know, that we saw versus Tennessee that we've seen a few times this year. I do think it was a pretty basic game plan as far as the run game goes. Um, you know, Florida did get creative a couple times uh, on offense, but – there's a clear pecking order right now at running back. Like I said, Montreal Johnson still can and should have a large role in this offense. But now I think the run game needs to be built around the abilities of Trevor Etienne and also getting creative. Hopefully, Eugene Wilson's back. We get creative using those receivers as well. But I, I'm hesitant to go on the misuse of Etienne versus Charlotte. A couple more carries, sure, but protect him as much as you can. He's coming off a 23-carry performance versus Tennessee. Look, he doesn't not need to have 23 carries week in and week out, but that's going to be based on if you get anything else out of the other running backs, out of some of the other plays that you can call to get the ball in some other guys' hands. I mean, if it needs to happen, it needs to happen, but you don't necessarily want ETN to have 23 carries a game unless you just absolutely need it. And 
your risk of injury goes up. What will he look like by the end of the year if he's got 23 carries a game? I mean, you, you got to do what you got to do to win a game. And if these continued issues where Montreal Johnson and, you know, just for whatever reason, it's not going there and ETN's just your workhorse, then you got to ride him. But ideally, you want to see some of the Montreal Johnson that we know he can be. So something just seems off there. I, I don't know what it is. I know it looked like he was banged up a little bit versus Tennessee last week. Hopefully, hopefully something gets figured out there. And this two-headed monster at running back for Florida uh, continues. And he's still got a role. Still a role in the – they didn't even try to get him involved in really the passing game. That's why I said I don't think the, the game plan was all that intricate there. Uh, he can still be an asset there as well. Uh, but just interesting. I, w- I want to see – how the carries are dispersed from here on out. But I think it's clear what the pecking order should be right now. Uh, inconsistency, uh, inconsistency last night, especially in the red zone also, can be seen in the passing game. Uh, I think mostly due to Charlotte getting pressure. Uh, and those at times were due to Mertz having to hold on to the ball because nobody was open or just held on to the ball in ge- too long in general. Um, some questionable play, call- questionable play calling in the red zone. And I thought Napier had to rely on getting too cute in the red zone at times because the run game wasn't there. Um, a lot of those based on misdirection, that wasn't there. Charlotte wasn't fooled. Uh, a lot of the night, there was a lot of predictability um, from the Charlotte defense showing up. I think they knew what Florida was going to do at certain times. And that play-action rollout that's been a staple of the Billy Napier offense, that thing is continuing to get snuffed out. Uh, by defenses. Defensive ends aren't crashing, especially with the run game is not working like it was like it was not last night. Defensive ends are n- wouldn't even respecting the Florida run game. Uh, and that play action rollout now is not as uh, lethal uh, as it once was. Um, so I, I think defensive coordinators are keying in on that play uh, a good bit. No one Millie Napier likes to call it. And defensive ends are doing a good job of being responsible and being dedicated to making sure that play doesn't hurt their defense. So, look, if the run game's working, that play can still be just fine. If it's not working, that play's a concern because um, it just seems to be a staple. Uh, but either pressure in Mert's face or the predictable route running off of that play call, it's not working. It's not working like it should. But overall, the play call, I don't think it quite as bad as it seemed last night. It leaves a lot to be desired. And with better defenses coming up on the schedule, you hope the switch can be flipped overall on offense. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of times, too, better checks at the line uh, can be there, especially in third-down situations. The one that comes to mind is third and two. Charlotte clearly showing blitz on the right side. They overloaded the right side. The play was ran right into the teeth of that blitz with Montreal Johnson run. Clearly could have been checked out of. We've seen it. We've seen signs, but you know, Florida, Florida needs the creativity of having somebody like a Eugene Wilson back. Uh, Florida needs its best options on the offensive line, the playmakers that they can have for, I think, Billy Napier to be able to take advantage uh, of these situations. But you know, I think it all kind of culminated. It was, uh, it was the full package of what could go wrong on offense a little bit, whether it be bad play calling, whether it be um, some of the inconsistency of checking in and out of the right play. Uh, it just, it was there. I think some of that, as I said, goes to a vanilla playbook game plan, but not all of it. Cause some of it's the same issues we've seen. If the run game was there, look, it doesn't matter if it's a vanilla playbook or not. If the run game is working. It's just working. 
But if this vanilla game plan and the run game's not working, what we saw versus Charlotte is, and what we saw versus Utah, I mean, that is, that's, that's what this offense is going to look like. Hopefully, hopefully, you start getting that per- first half of the performance versus Tennessee, and that's not the outlier, but that becomes the norm as SEC play ramps up. All right, on the side of the ball, defense. Charlotte wasn't offering much threat on offense. <laughs> they hit a few plays, but for the most part, completely overmatched up front. There were some lapses when Charlotte had guys wide open. You could really, really tell they were trying to take advantage of the aggressiveness of the Florida uh, defense. But it only amounted 210 yards. Charlotte averaged 338 yards coming in, whereas was held to 210 yards. On the night, 49ers averaged four yards of play, three of 12 on third down, 2.8 yards of rush, getting sacked four times, getting tackled for a loss six times. Two of those sacks, true freshman Kelby Collins, Bryce Thornton, first career sacks for those guys, of course, once again. Um, and look, it's, it's those young guys getting in, performing. Now, I highlighted it all throughout this week, the growth of this defense, and a lot of it has just been because you've seen the new faces, you've seen the transfers really, really, or uh, and the freshmen lend themselves to really contributing. So, so I mean, even with the new face of offensive, uh, defensive coordinator Austin Armstrong, so much newness on that side of the ball, but being it, it, it the aggressiveness just translates. I think it's a fun little system for those guys to play in. They're taking advantage. They're having fun. So I think there's a lot of confidence in just what they're doing. I mean, young DBs, young defensive linemen, just taking advantage of the chances. A lot of confidence on that side of the ball. You can just see it with the aggression and the speed they play with. And not much, I mean, just not much to really break down much on that because you know Charlotte and, and their offense just wasn't really offering much. Um, and I think it's just a lot of the same of what we've seen on defense. It, it really is. And we don't have to go into detail too much about the defense right now. That's a good sign. Uh, that, that is a really good sign. Uh, more special teams. More special teams here. Uh, so, of course, 5 of 5 with Smack, but the blunders still exist as well. Uh, Napier got pretty defensive about it, uh, about the penalties on special teams in the post-game press conference. Didn't seem too concerned with only playing 10 players on the field two different occasions. Florida failed to put 11 players on the field on special teams once during a Charlotte 55-yard field goal attempt in the third quarter, then again during a Charlotte punt from midfield not long after that. And pretty much, you know, he refuted the issue Billy Napier did before ultimately acknowledging it. Quote, we didn't have 10 out there for the field goal. We didn't get the returner on right there in the middle of the field, and ultimately because of the sack, that's where the miscue was made. We're okay with that. We're okay with the returner not being on the field in that situation. It's fourth down in a mile. Look, it's out there where we think we're going to be in field goal range, and then all of a sudden the punter is out there aware of that in a very unique situation, and we're okay with that. Look, if that had been an isolated incident, maybe I can buy that, but not in Florida situation on special teams. And all the blunders we've seen in one season and four games in, and already the four games in this season as well. Just, just take this season. You just forget about last season. Just take this season. And they've been out there. The blunders have been out there. 
You know, the process of special teams does not work with not having a full-time assistant for special teams, but instead of, you know, you're dividing each aspect among the full-time assistant coaches and then organized through Chris Couch, an analyst. And they continue to struggle and put the right personnel on the field for special teams plays. It's inexcusable. There's no reason for it. We keep hearing of these unique situations that cause these mistakes, but these unique situations aren't unique to college football. And we don't see these constant issues creep up for others or before with other staffs. It's a glaring weakness. It's certainly not making it easier for Florida. Napier always talks about controlling the things that they can control. Well, special teams blunders like that are things they can control, and they're not doing it. So look, if it was just an isolated incident, okay, I can buy the, all right, we'll, we're okay with that, but can't be, we can't be okay with that over and over again. And it's been an issue ever since the, the Utah game and other issues last year. But the one for the being short numbers-wise, that's creeping up way too much. Way, way too much. You just keep finding new issues. But all in all, kind of a silver lining for the special teams. Hopefully Trace Mack is that guy moving forward. All right, let me hit the chat here. Everybody, thanks for hopping in. Kind of going through the game again. Everybody, everybody, buddy, thanks for hopping in, hopping in here. Yeah, I see a lot of the comments here about you know two offensive line guys, one you no know, no special teams coach. Uh, yeah, I think um, after this season, that's got to be reevaluated. And uh, we've seen the issues. I don't think the two offensive line coach thing is necessarily paying off. That's also what's holding you back from maybe a possible offensive coordinator. Special teams blunders are there. The offensive line, also, I think the two-coach system is not necessarily helping on the recruiting trail all that much. You're not getting the high – and hopefully development down the road you know, pays off that way. I don't know if Florida's going to continue with this two-offensive line coach thing, but right now, certainly not paying off on the recruiting trail. And it's going to take some time to see if the development side of having two coaches pay off, but that may not be the case down the road. Big Gator Caesar says, Florida has the talent and the strength to compete. It's attitude, in my opinion. Spurrier and Urban took every game personally and absolutely detested losing. Yeah, you just love to have that killer instinct. As I said, this is a young team. I, 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 I keep telling myself that. You know, I got, the, I got the angel on one shoulder and the devil on another. Uh, and keep, you know, keep, keep saying, yeah, look, this is a young team. A lot of new faces. Second year, you, you, you hope to see some growth, but the way this team is constructed with the, through the transfer portal and just relying on a lot of true freshmen or redshirt freshmen making a lot of plays, the inconsistency is probably going to be there. Yeah, but for this one, you were at home. You had the big win. You just wanted to see some momentum, especially going into – it's going to be a tough game in Lexington, guys. I mean, may, maybe it won't be. Maybe it won't be. And this was just a blip on the radar. That, that could. Like, I'm not going to make this game an indictment yet. It, and it doesn't need to be. But if we, go to, if we see Florida next week on the road at Kentucky, 
And there's worry, the worry thing, the worry situation there is, it's on the road. Have they not played well on the road except for A&M last year for this Gator team? I mean, we need to see a lot. We need to see a bounce back from last night, and we need to see a team that, needs to, that can go on the road and play well and play well versus a good team. Kentucky is a good team. Good. I mean, nothing more than that. They're, they're not excellent. They're not elite. They're not great. They're not bad. But given the situation we've seen Florida and the way they play on the road, the offensive line is not shored up. If you're going to continue to shoot yourself in the foot with penalties on the road, then the last few road games, dating back to last year and Utah this year, the penalties have been an issue. We'll see. We'll be able to tell a lot of growth this coming up week. Last night does not have to be an indictment. Grow from it. Learn from it. Hopefully it's just a, we'll come back at the end of the year and say, hey, remember that 22-7 laugher, laughter versus Charlotte? Yeah, okay. That's all it was. That's all it was. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big pizza daddy right here on special teams. We should start calling ourselves the 11th man. <laughs> Thanks for the donation there. Big pizza daddy. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'll go to some more comments here. Of course, had to come through at the end. So try to read through them all. Lee brings up a good point and something I'm eager to see versus Kentucky coming up. Yeah, every team going to stack the box. I would against Napier and have my safety still on the right side of that BS crawl route Napier loves to do. <laughs> um, you know, something with that, you know, Kentucky has put up, and this would be the theme this week, of course, and we got a lot more time to talk about it, but talk about stacking the box. We know Kentucky will, has had a pretty good game plan, no matter who the head coach was at Florida the last couple, going back to Mullen, oh, McElwain, Mullen, um, Napier last year, they've had pretty good. They've been outcoached. You know, Kentucky's outcoached Florida a lot recently. Sometimes that's still amounted in wins for Florida. Sometimes, you know, now Kentucky is getting wins over Florida. And it's partly because of they're outcoaching the Florida staff, whoever the staff is. That can't happen. That can't happen Saturday. So, you know, looking at Kentucky's defense and what they've been able to do recently, they've been able to dictate what they want a Florida offense to do versus them. And it's mostly. Stop the run and make the quarterback beat us. You know for sure, given everything we've seen so far this year, everything we've seen under Napier, going back to my stats, it doesn't matter what the passing stats look like. If Florida can't run the ball, they're not winning. That's honestly, at the base of it, the most basic of what we're probably going to be looking at versus Kentucky, still going to be the case. Look, and we know that. We know Billy Napier wants to run the ball. That's no secret. But it is amazing how sometimes how good the passing stats can look, but it doesn't matter if the run game's not there.
John Wilcox, yeah, that's my only question is when the defenses are pinching down in the middle, why not run that jet sweep? It's been five yards or more consistently. Uh, that's one reason, like, it, it's in the playbook. That's one. And I brought that up myself, you know, going against Charlotte, and we didn't see a whole lot of it. I, I don't think it was just part of, you know, don't get me wrong. You'd love to see you run your, your full offense. I just, they weren't running it last night. You didn't see it all that much. Now, Wilson's a big part of that. But we've seen it run with Pierce all enough. You got Andy Gene involved as well uh, with the reverse. So you could just tell it wasn't in the game plan, uh, uh, honestly. All right. Q, it's funny you bring that up, and I was talking about this too. We were talking about big picture stuff at the tailgate yesterday, and you said right here, we will always be a fast, speed, athletic, spread, passing offense university. Um, they, I think down the road, I don't know if it would be pass first under Napier, but I do wonder, just because of what he walked into, the backs he has right now, you know, we're still seeing that run first mentality just because that's how it's that's just kind of how it's built early on. But I do think with the receivers that we see him recruiting so far, what he has recruited right now, and Lagway coming in, I do think there's an opportunity for a shift in offensive philosophy. The pieces have to get here first. That is probably one aspect that I will also need to see to believe, but I do think the path is there. It does look that 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 could be the plan. Let's get more speed at receiver. Let's get a quarterback that can do with his arms and his legs. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see that. I mean, Billy Napier is gonna have to break away from what we've seen so far. And when you know, good guys adjust, right now I don't think there's much adjustment because you're limited on offensive line. You're limited on experience at receiver. We're starting to see some inclinations of that. Hopefully some guys stay healthy coming up. But I do think if we're ever going to see that change, it won't be right away. It won't be right away. Yeah, Adam going in here, I'm assuming about Trevor Etienne and maybe Napier here. He didn't want Trevor Hurt for Kentucky. I said, I, I, do, I, I honestly think that plays a part. I, I think... But a few more carries probably wouldn't have hurt, especially early on in the game. <laughs> um, all right. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for hopping on here. Every Sunday, right here, Gators Breakdown. Gator brings up a good point. And I've said this on Gators Breakdown Plus. I may have said it. I may have said it on a podcast episode here. I'll take ugly wins the rest of the year. I think there's going to be a lot of them. If Florida's at eight wins, hopefully, maybe even more, hopefully. I mean, like I said, you look at the SEC and there's not a lot of separation. There's a lot of winnable games here for Florida. There's also a lot of losable games. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Florida's going to go out there and win them all. Uh, if you get in that eight, probably ceiling nine win range. There's a lot of those are going to be ugly wins. You got a defense. I think you can rely on. And I think with that defense, Napier is probably going to lean on the run game a little bit more than we want him to in certain situations. 
But I'm also eager to see what it looks like if, if everybody can get healthy. Offensive line, when you, you know, Kingsley from here on out needs to be able to be that center moving forward. Hopefully Trey Wilson comes back and he's a integral part week in and week out of the offensive game plan. I still worry, even with Wilson and Pearsall there, that I still worry when the deep threat comes. Is that a Burke if he gets healthy? Is it a Mizell if he can get healthy and get more experience? As good as Eugene Wilson is, it's still not necessarily a stretching of the field. And I look at guys, I was up in the press box most of the time, most of the time, there was just not a lot of separation down the field. There was not. I mean, it, that says something about the receivers. It says something about the receivers, but they were blanketed. There was nowhere to go with the ball. Now, some of that's probably the routes as well and, and play design. I'll absolutely put that in there as well. I don't think it's consistent of what the issue is. One play, it might be the play design. And granted, you want, you'd love for the play design to be perfect every time. But that's not the case. Other times, it's fine. And one guy's open, and Mertz doesn't see the one guy. Or it's multiple guys, and he doesn't have time to throw. I mean, right now, it just seems to be a different issue almost every time, maybe when a play doesn't work. Especially when Mertz drops back the throw. I mean, you're seeing, seeing tackles get beat around the edge versus Charlotte. See guys not open. I mean, it does just seem like there's an almost a different style of issue every time Mertz drops back. Uh, Muddy Waters brings up a good point here. Probably should have brought this up. Uh, I'm going to talk about Kamari being escorted. He's gone. Uh, yeah, eventually, I don't know when. Maybe it happens after the season, of course, but that's pretty apparent now. And Napier didn't really want to talk about it. First time I heard in, um, in any kind of setting of a travel roster for a home game, uh, Napier said they only get 80 players to put in a hotel, and Kamari wasn't one of them. Um, he's a scholarship player, one of the 85 on scholarship. And was not with the team. And look, not a surprise. It wasn't on the depth chart. Of course, people start asking and start asking around. Uh, it doesn't not look like um, too much of a future here for Kamari Wilson at, at Florida, whether that's before the season, after the season. Um, would not expect that marriage to last down the road. All right. All right. All right. Let's see. One more right here. Chase Wester brings in. Dave, if you're Billy, how do you go about correcting the constant special team issues and offensive struggles? Give up an offensive line coach, combine linebacker room into one. Do we free up coaching spots somehow? Uh, probably, if you're going to do it this year, probably nothing until the bye week. That would, be, that would just be my guess. Uh, if you're going to change something that drastic, that's when I would expect it. Now, maybe you piecemeal it together up until that point, and then some big change at the bye week certainly has to be addressed by the end of the season. I do think, I do think, from asking around, this could be the last year Napier's calling plays. There could be a move after the season in that regard. I don't know when that decision could have possibly been made. If it would have been made before this season, then why not go ahead and do it? You know, I, I don't know. There's, I'm sure. You don't throw away your plan so early. I don't think. I think you know. There's a way you want to build things. 
you see if you're, you you put everything in to see if your original plan is going to work. Then if it's not going to work, then you need to pivot. You need to adjust. But as far as special team issues as a whole, I don't think will be necessarily be fixed until after the season. As I said, maybe you can make some kind of drastic change during the season. But I think your ultimate move will be made after the season. There's something changes there. Um, but, you know, with the OC talk, does that mean the two offensive line coach system goes away? That's where I would lean in happening. But probably one of those wait-and-see moments and just kind of see how it all works out. All right, guys, thank you so much right here. Don't mean to make it sound so bad. It was a, it was a win, I know, I know. It was a win, 22-7. Just, we expected more given the opponent. We want to see this team have some momentum. Hopefully, we're back here next Sunday and this game doesn't matter. All the focus on Kentucky, go there, get a win versus a good team on the road, and that would be another step, another step shown. You got the rival win versus Tennessee last week. Now it's time to start going performing better on the road. Hopefully that's a win over Kentucky next week. All right, guys, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. Find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC and at Gators Breakdown. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown.